0: You're listening to the weekly Parsha podcast recorded with Hashem's great help in Ramat Israel 5768-2008. This week's Parsha is Parsha Shmini. At the beginning of the Parsha we find the eighth day of the, ded- the dedication of the Mishkan, which took place on Rosh Chodesh Nisan, the first day of the month of Nisan. So the Jews had waited seven days... Seven complete days that the Shekhinah, the divine presence, did not yet come down to the Mishkan. It had not yet rested upon the Mishkan, and Aaron HaKohen, the great Aaron the high priest, was getting worried what's going on. He had tenaz on Moshe, Rabbeinu. He said, Moshe, how could it be? I've been doing all the the avoda as you've said, and nothing's happened." Finally on the 8th day, Aaron HaKohen he completes his avoda, and finally the the Mishkan is filled with the divine presence. Unbelievable joy. The people of Israel have returned to their glory. They lost that divine presence when they sinned with the Misa HaEgel with the sin of the golden calf. They lost that. But now, many months later, with the rebuilding of the Mishkan, the Shekhinah returned again to their midst. There was a tremendous amount of joy. However, that tremendous joy was marred by a very difficult occurrence. The two sons of Aaron HaKohen, the two sons of this great Aaron, the high priest, the brother of Moshe Rabbeinu, his two sons, Nadav and Avihu, they passed away by a very tra- in a very tragic manner. They brought inside of the Mishkan, they brought inside an Eish Zorah, a foreign fire. And because of that, the verse says, Since they did this without being commanded to do it, A fire came out from in front of Hashem and ate them up, consumed them. They died in front of Hashem. Now very interestingly, the fire itself did not actually burn them up. But it was a spiritual fire that took their souls out of them. And that's clear because the verses actually say afterwards that they were pulled out by their clothes. They were pulled by their clothing. So clearly, they weren't actually burned physically, but rather it was a spiritual burning. They died in front of Hashem. And now, the verse afterwards says, Moshe turns to Aaron and he says, this is what Hashem meant when he said, that through my close ones I will become sanctified now this whole narrative leaves us with some very difficult and perplexing issues who were these people not of an were they good people, were they bad people, did they do what they were supposed to do did they not do what they were supposed to do, what was their sin why did they die, why did Moshe Rabbeinu say that Hashem had said something previously and that is that through my holy ones I will become, through my close ones I'm sorry, I will be made holy What's going on? Are they holy? Are they good? Are they bad? Did they do something wrong? Or did they do something... I mean, if they did something right, there's no reason that they should have to have died. Did they do something wrong? Clearly they did something wrong because they passed away. So what does Moshe Rabbeinu mean when he says that through my close ones I will become holy? It seems like they were close, they were very holy. Let's compound these questions by telling what Rashi says. Rashi says that what was their sin? What, what did they do wrong? What did they do they there's a there's a concept in the Torah that we're not allowed if your Rebbe, if your teacher, your master is there. You're not allowed to say Halacha, you're not allowed to give direction in, in Torah Law in front of him. If your Rebbe is there, the Rabbi is there, the great rabbi, the great sage that taught you is there. You have to allow him to give the psak, you have to allow him to give the direction in matters of halacha, in the matters of Torah and in spiritual guidance. You have no place to say anything there. They went on their own without asking any advice from Moshe Rabbeinu, they said, Apsak. they said, we should go, and it's, it's our responsibility to go inside of the, the, the Beis HaMikdash, inside of the Mishkan, inside of the sanctuary, and bring this f- foreign fire. That's what they felt that they should do. They did not ask Moshe Rabbeinu. They did it on their own. And the halacha is that someone who goes against what his rabbi says, or he makes up his own ruling without consulting with his rabbi, his punishment is death. And that's what happened here, says Rashi. Additionally, Rashi tells us that they had been drinking wine before they entered the sanctuary, they had been drinking. And because they entered the sanctuary having drunk wine, so therefore, they were liable for death. Additionally, the Medrash says that not only didn't they ask Moshe Rabbeinu what to do, they didn't ask Moses, they also didn't ask their father Aaron. Not only that, the Medrash learns it from the pasuk, the verse itself that they didn't even ask each other. They did it on their own. Each of them did it on their own. And because of this, they were Mokhui of Misa, they were liable for death. So on one hand, it seems like they did something that was incredibly wrong. However, on the other hand, what does Moshe Rabbeinu say? He says, This is what Hashem said, that through my close ones I will become sanctified. So Rashi tells us, what does the verse mean? It means that Moshe Rabbeinu said to Aaron, I learned from Hashem on Har Sinai that there would be someone, someone close to Hashem who would create a tremendous sanctification of Hashem's name at the inauguration of the Mishkan. I thought it would be me, or I thought it would be you. Aaron, I, I didn't imagine, I didn't know that it was going to be the children of Aaron. We see, says Moshe Rabbeinu, according to Rashi, that they were even greater than us. Unbelievable. Very difficult. What's going on? Is, are the children of, of Aaron not of you? Are they tzaddikim? Are they righteous? Are they great? It would seem from their actions that they weren't so great. What's the explanation? What is going on here? Rav Shimon Schwab in his Sefer, Mayan Besa Shoiva, brings a beautiful explanation which I'd like to illustrate with something I read elsewhere in Rav Arya Kaplan. We find there's a concept that when Mashiach comes, when Messiah comes, the Yetzirah, the evil inclination, the Malach HaMaves, the angel of death, the satan, the satan, all these three are really one spiritual entity. The sitra achra, the other side, the sitra achra, will be destroyed, shechted. Hashem will come and He will slaughter the Yitzhahara. The evil inclination will be gone. When Mashiach comes, we'll have no more desires to do things that are wrong. We'll only want to. Everyone will get together. aguda Everyone's going to get together to do the will of Hashem. All everyone is going to want to do all day long is sit and learn the Torah, do spiritual things, connect to each other, help everyone out. Everyone all day long is just going to want to do good because we're not going to have any more evil inclination. The question is like this. If you're a mediac, if you look carefully at the Lushan, it's the and Sukkah, it's also elsewhere, the Gemara says, Hashem is going to shecht; He's going to slaughter the Esarah, the evil inclination. He's going to kill it. Now the question is like this. We know that the yitzhahara, the evil inclination, is something pivotal, imperative, in order for man to have free will. So Hashem had to create this ability to have free will. How do you have free will? So you have to have a choice between good and evil. So you have to have a you have to have an evil inclination, and Yitzhah a good inclination. So the evil inclination himself is not evil, Be'etzem, intrinsically. He's something that's absolutely necessary and imperative, and something that we need to have. This angel is not a bad angel. He's doing Hashem's will. Hashem wants this angel to try to get us not to do what we're supposed to do. This way, when we choose to do what's right, so we'll be able to get rewarded for that. There will be tremendous spiritual significance for us choosing to do what's right. As if there was no Yitzhak Haraf, there was no evil inclination, we wouldn't have any choice. It would be obvious what to do. Why does he get destroyed? Why does he get slaughtered? Why does he get killed? If anything, he should be commended, rewarded, He's done something so unbelievable, so great. He's provided mankind with the opportunity, the unbelievable spiritual acquisition, the real spiritual acquisition, to be able to choose what we're supposed to do, to be able to choose the right thing. The only way to choose the right thing is if there's a wrong thing. Why does he get slaughtered? Ravari Kaplan says an unbelievable thing. He brings it down from the holy books, from the Kabbalah, from the Sifrei, Machshava. They say like this, a very stark, very clear mushal, a very clear parable. There was once a great king And this king had a son. This son was the prince. And this prince was going to be the next king at some point after the king would die, the father. And the father wanted to make sure that this prince indeed was worthy of being the next king. So what the king did was he devised a plan. And his plan was that he wanted to see if this prince would be able to remain chaste, to have fidelity and to not give in to the temptations of any kind of temptress so he hires a woman to try to tempt his son to be with her so what happens so she comes and she says to this son she does everything in her power to try to convince this prince that he should be with her and, he, and he's not interested in being with her and he tries his best to be to be faithful to his father he knows that his father wants him to be strong Now, so until this point that's very clear that the eight sahara is like this woman and The woman is sent by the father. The father is the king. Hashem has sent this woman, this Yitzharat, to tempt us to try to do what's wrong. Because he wants us, in essence, he really wants us to overcome. He wants us to just be faithful in the test. Now, here's where it gets sticky. What does the woman say to the son? She says to him, Your father hired me because he wants you to be with me. He hired me. She lets lets the cat out of the bag. She says your father wants you to be with me. He hired me to tempt you. Why does she do it? Why does she say this? Because in her in her mind she says to herself, The King hired me to tempt the son. I have to do my best job. She figured out a great idea. She says, Your father hired me to tempt you. Obviously he wants me to tempt you. Obviously he wants you to give in to me. And this way she's going to get in good with the king. But the mistake this is the eight Sahara. What does the Eitzahara do? He's so anxious. He has such a love for Hashem. The Eitzahara, the evil inclination, the Satan, the Sitra Achra, the Malachamaves. He wants so badly to tempt the people of Israel, to tempt tempt every, every person in the world. Why? Because he so badly wants to do the will of God. He so badly wants to be close to God that he's willing to do anything. He's willing to even lie and cheat in order to fulfill his mission that point where he steps over the line, the Yitzhahara, the evil inclination, steps over the line, that's where the fatal mistake is. And that's why in the end, the Yitzhahara gets destroyed. He gets slaughtered. Because he shouldn't have said that. He shouldn't have gone that far. It says there of Shem and Schwab, Nadav and Avihu, these two sons of Aaron, they were tremendously righteous. They had such an incredible burning love for Hashem. All they wanted was to come close to God. All they wanted to, was to bring that bring something from themselves to do whatever they could, they had such joy. They were in love with Hashem. But they didn't ask, should I do this? They went on their own volition, without consulting. And they went out of their great love for Hashem. And they did something that they were not told to do. And that's why they died. They were tremendous tzaddikim. They were unbelievable, oh have they Hashem, lovers of God. But they were missing something essential. Because it's not enough to love Hashem. A person also have, has to have Yiras Hashem. A person has to also have fear of God. And that means that it's not enough to do what you think is what God wants. It's not enough to do whatever you feel like because you love Hashem. You have to do what Hashem wants you to do. The only way to express your love for someone is if you do that which they want. This is something fundamental in marriage. You know, you can do from today till tomorrow something that you think your wife is going to like. But if she's not interested in that thing, this is lahavdil, obviously, between marriage and relationship with Hashem. But if you're doing something for your wife, you bring her roses. And she hates roses. She likes daisies. She's a simple girl. She likes daisies. And you bring her roses. It's not worth too much. It's very nice that you love her. But you gotta do what she wants. You gotta bring her daisies if she likes daisies. And if she likes roses, you gotta bring her roses. If she likes a single long stemmed rose, you gotta bring her that. And don't bring her a bouquet of flowers. When it comes to the love of Hashem, Allahu Akbar, it's the same thing. You love Hashem, you wanna come close to Hashem, you have to do it His way. You have to do it the way that Hashem wants it. That was the mistake of not living and you. How many times do we make that mistake? We think, oh, I'm gonna do this thing, I'm gonna do that thing, I love Hashem. It's not, it's not up to us. We have to do it the way Hashem wants us to do it. You want to be close to Hashem, you want to connect to Hashem, you have to do it the way that Hashem says. To illustrate this point, Rav Shemeshua brings another story, very interesting story. Reb Chaim of Olashen, the great Reb Chaim of Olashen began the yeshiva, the whole concept of the yeshiva in the 1700s, I believe. And Reb Chaim of Olashen came to his Rebbe, his Rebbe was the Gra, the great Gaon of Vilna, the genius of Vilna, Rebel Yo. And he came to him and he says to him, should I open the yeshiva? And the Gura, he gave him a very sour face. Didn't seem like he liked the idea. So B'chaim, a few months later, came back to the Gura. And the Gura says to him, Nu, what's with your Yeshiva? And Ruchaim turns his, his Rebbe and says, What do you mean? When I asked the Rebbe if I should do it, the Rebbe said that the Rebbe implied very much that I shouldn't do it. Your, your, face, your facial expression implied incredibly that I shouldn't do it. The Grah said, Well, I'll tell you the truth. When I first heard the amount of fire, enthusiasm, inspiration that you had to create this yeshiva, I wasn't sure if it was coming from the right place or if it was really because you really loved Hashem or it was because you wanted to do something on your own, do your own thing. Now that I see that you're ready to do whatever I say, you're ready to listen to me, even if I tell you not to do it, I'm ready to give my full consent. And indeed that's what Reb Chaim did. He went and he started the yeshiva system and to this day we benefit from that. But it all started. It was necessary, the Grah to show his Talmud, his, his great ga'on of a Talmud, that the only way that we can properly connect to Hashem is not just with Avas Hashem, not just with loving Hashem, but with fearing Hashem, with knowing that we have to do what Hashem wants from us, not just whatever we feel like doing, not just, however I feel like coming close to Hashem, that's what I'm going to do. It has to be according to the guidelines that Hashem has given us. That's why He gives us the Halacha. That's why He gives us the Torah. That's why He gives us rabbim, Rabbanim. Rabbis to ask questions to. That's why we have to go. We have to ask our questions. We have a Shiloh. We don't know what to do. Is this the proper thing? So many times a person can say to himself, I should do this thing. And it's really not the right thing. It's really not what Hashem wants. A person has to ask. He has to find out. Can't be afraid. You have to go ask the Shiloh. With Hashem's help, I'd like to bless you and me and all of us. We should love Hashem, we should have an incredible love for Hashem. We should be able to taper it with the proper years Hashem. Because a child who wants to do the father's will, he's afraid, there's a certain fear, and the fear is, heaven forbid, I don't want to do something that will make my father upset. If you want to have the proper love, it has to be tapered with fear. You have to be sure to do what Hashem wants. If you want to do something out of love, you have to make sure. Just like a husband for a wife, if you want to show your love, you have to do something that they appreciate. So too, uh, uh, the love that we have for Hashem, we have to do something that Hashem appreciates, we have to do the right thing. Thank you so much for listening. Have a very good Shabbos.